0: Hello, everybody. You're probably thinking, hmm, Travis sounds different today. And yes, I'm currently getting over a slight cold from last week, and I'm actually not Travis. My name is Finner, and I'm currently interning with the amazing team here at Fool and Scholar Productions. And I'm here today to tell you about the last city. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven a geo-engineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wandering, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, the Last City stars actors like Ray Sehorn, Jeannie Torado, and Maury Sterling. You can follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. A big thanks to Wondery for supporting shows like The White Vault. And now, on with the scheduled programming.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check
2: Hey everyone, it's Travis, producer of The White Vault, and Caitlin as well. We have a couple of quick updates, though, that we wanted to get through to you. First and foremost, this isn't an episode of The White Vault Core series. We've just gotten halfway through season four, and we will have a new episode releasing every two weeks, starting two weeks from now. Uh, all the way through the end of the season. Then we'll return back with Season 5 in October. We also wanted to let you know that Imperial, our award-winning miniseries spin-off that introduces the character Dr. Liu in Season 3, will be available for purchase on our website as of the release of this episode. The World of the White Vault includes three miniseries so far, Artifact, Imperial, and DeLuca, and all these shows are available to our Patreon supporters at the Apprentice tiers and above, but we understand that some of our fans prefer to support us in other ways. Now, both Artifact and Imperial will be available through our website for direct purchase, though Aluka is still only available on our Patreon.
1: The story of Imperio follows the records of a Jesuit cartographic mission into northern China during the Qing Dynasty. We don't want to give away much, but we will say that the show features some phenomenal sound design and even some of the most recent recordings of the endangered Manchu language. Head over to our website to learn more and hear more about what dwells in the mists of Heilongjiang.
2: Okay, then I guess we're ready. Welcome to our fun interview of Hashtag Ask Walter Heath. With David Alt, the voice of Walter Heath and many others on many other shows. Today we're here to chat about holidays and ghost stories and the man behind
3: the voice. (laughs) Hello, thank you very much for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Thanks for being here, David. Exactly. We appreciate having you here. Also, we have with us...
1: I am Caitlin. I am the writer for The White Vault and uh, lots of other things as well. (laughs) And
2: I'm (laughs) Travis, the sound guy and producer.
3: And and everything else. And, And... Uh, I, as i look as i sit here and look at my screen what i see is the the behemoth of writing partnerships which you i I, just, I still i've said this to travis before but i can say it directly to you now caitlin how how do you do it all how do you consistently keep on pumping out so much excellent writing, production, etc. on such a consistent? I don't <laughs> understand. It. Caitlin
2: is mostly tea. a teacup. It's tea in her hand.
1: Um,
3: it, it is tea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of tea. Um,
3: yeah. I should. I should have known. I mean, I do this
1: full time now, but this is not an interview with Caitlin. <laughs> yes, but
2: it's been a very interesting year. Yep. And I think yep, it's really definitely. great that we're all getting together to talk about some fun stuff for a change.
1: Socially and, uh, distant across an ocean. <laughs> yeah, <we're so
3: laughs> and a continent. Yep. And a continent.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in ocean the continent between us we're recording in portland oregon and you're recording somewhere in england i am
3: indeed in ripon north yorkshire where is that so if you uh, get the united kingdom and go halfway up and towards the east you'll find me somewhere around there <laughs> Cool. Thank you.
1: Careful. They will find you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ripon, Rippin', even though it's a city, uh, it's a city in the British sense and not in the American sense, because I think at the last census we had about 11,000 people in our city. But it well, is a. So small. I know. <laughs> but over here, a city, uh, you only need, well, classically, you only needed to have had uh, a seat for a bishop. So if you have a cathedral or a minster, then you are uh, a city. Otherwise, you're a town. That changed in 2000, but classically, it's a city. All right. It's pretty cool.
1: It's still really small.
2: It is. And it I, is. And I heard a rumor you also <laughs> haunted ghost tours there as well.
3: I, yes, I do do the ghost walks. Um, that's a lot of fun where we uh, take people around the city center. The city center. <laughs> um, take people uh, just on a short little walk, about about a mile, mile and a half. Show them some of the places where grisly stuff has happened and uh, where people have reported seeing ghosts.
2: And, and just so people who've never been to England have a visual uh, mental image of the scape. Mm, mm. So this amazing city, are we picturing skyscrapers or a small <laughs> village in the countryside? So what is the, is it very green? Like, what's the layout of it?
3: Okay, so uh, where I am is is wonderfully green, in fact, uh, because I uh, Ripon is based between the Yorkshire Dales on one side and the Yorkshire Moors on the other side, and it's in this little valley between the two, if you like. So uh, you only have to drive two minutes and you're out into wilderness, it feels like, which is a wonderful place to be. It sounds like it. Uh, in terms of the city itself, if you picture, um, even if you picture a nice little medieval town or any kind of D&D type, <laughs> this kind of rural medieval town and put a gigantic cathedral in the middle of it then yeah you've probably got what what, you, what what we have here of course uh britain um is very much not built on the grid system so everything has all the streets wind and curve and uh and and whatnot um so yes
2: that sounds like right out of a book Oh yeah, oh very much so, yes. <laughs> Did they put the cathedral there to be like, you know, where we're, we're going to be a city or was it some sort of
3: Well. <laughs> okay, so one of, one of the little stories that I'll I'll tell you is that um the day the founding of Ripon as a city goes right the way back to the year 886. So 11 1100 years ago, 1100 odd years ago. Uh and King Alfred, whom you might know of as the one that burnt the cakes was around and about and because ripon was able to uh shelter him for a day he said tell you what uh, i'm going to give you a charter to become a city but because he didn't have any parchment to write on he he grabbed a horn and wrote it on there that is what started this whole tradition of a horn being blown at nine o'clock every night in the market square. Supposedly, every night since the year 886, it has been done. Who knows? Uh, but it certainly goes. <laughs> it's called setting the watch. And uh, it's one of the things that Ripon is famous for.
2: That's fantastic. And then he he burned some cakes. <laughs> I've never. I'm sorry, I've never heard this before.
3: Oh, okay, okay. The story of King Alfred is that he was on the run and stayed at some elderly woman's shack, hovel. Uh, She went out to collect some ingredients or something, forage for something, uh, and said, watch the cakes while I'm out. And, unfortunately, he fell asleep, so the cakes got burnt, and that is what everyone knows of King Alfred, (laughs) he burnt the cakes.
2: (laughs) So so the house didn't burn down, it was just... No,
3: no, just just the cakes. Okay, just just the cakes.
2: cakes. (laughs) This isn't an episode of The Lucky Die. (laughs) It (laughs) is. When you make omelets, you have to start a big fire. (laughs) Okay, so... We know you got into voice acting somehow, and I believe it, uh, it stemmed from a love of literature that kind of morphed into a love of audio drama.
3: Um, uh, to an extent, yes. So uh, as a child, I used to go to sleep with uh, a bedtime story um, on tape, and that uh, became The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is a wonderful, wonderful piece of literature. It is better in the radio series than any other... Um, medium and don't at me but uh, yes (laughs) so from there I developed my love of audio drama it was then in the wilderness years when Doctor Who went off air and especially from 1996 onwards where I was looking around on this newfangled thing called the interwebs for new Doctor Who audio drama just seeing if there was anything going and yes there were groups doing Doctor Who audio drama, there were there was Back to Reality, which was uh, one down in Australia, Darker Projects, which is where I eventually got into audio drama, but various other ones. And uh, yeah, so I found Darker Projects. They were also doing some sort of scary stories. Night Terrors was the, was the series, so that and various other things. And then uh, they put out a casting call for, or not even a casting call, they said, is there anyone that can do us a couple of lines for... For our um, Star Trek Section Thirty One fan audio drama, and uh, I thought, well, why not? I grabbed a microphone, just a an ordinary, simple, simple one, and um, yeah, recorded. Slip drive engage, Captain. That is where it all started. <laughs> and once the slip drive was engaged, just couldn't stop. That that was it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Warp speed. Yeah.
1: Humble humble beginnings. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> seems to when we talk to them about how they got into audio drama it seems to be well i gave it a shot and then i got stuck
3: exactly <laughs> yes yes it, it was that it was and and it was from there that the byron chronicles came about which is still going even since 2006 and it's so, a great podcast yeah thank you that's oh yeah that of course that's eric who is also in portland
2: it's funny it's it's a portland story uh that takes place in portland written in portland and has you as the portland gray Man.
3: yes indeed uh, yeah, so that that was that was basically where and and to begin with, uh, being a Brit in a very American-dominated sector, I got a whole load of roles as villains or mystery people, people with agendas, everything that you could probably expect. Oh, and so and God and the devil, which are <laughs> two sides of the same coin. Yeah, so so I was a bit of an audio drama whore. I just went for whatever. <laughs> Things I could go for. I know it's nine o'clock in the morning over there. Um, it's probably not the right time to be talking about whoring oneself out as an audio drama person, but <laughs> sun's over the yard arm over here. So uh, there we go.
2: <laughs> and then you got involved with the No Sleep podcast and became an international touring sensation.
3: Yeah, so it was back in 2014. I had listened through series one and two and three and thought, wow, this is amazing. I want to get involved. So I emailed David Cummings and said, uh, you wouldn't be on the lookout for any other British voice actors, would you? And he said, yeah, go on, try this. And again, that is how it started.
2: And then now you're also a TED Talk speaker as well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, uh, So very recently, um, at time of recording, I did a, a TED Talk for my old school. They were doing their own TEDx. Um, event and they wanted speakers and so i ended up doing a talk for them about how we can look at disinformation in the media and work out what is truth and what isn't
2: thank you for your service i'll be sharing that (laughs) one with uh, my mother and some friends on facebook
3: thank you um but yeah the no sleep podcast is is such a wonderful show to be on and to listen to some well, I think audio drama fans are some of the best people, anyway. But uh, it's been amazing to go on tour with the No Sleep podcast and meet everyone, and um, yeah, just and hug everyone, which is something I'm really missing. This year is the ability to hug people.
2: Yeah, we concur. We we have our dog, and he kind of helps. He's like eighty pounds, and he basically counts that, as a yeah, person. Yeah, <laughs> a small person. A small person. <laughs> so we have some questions, okay. um, Burning questions. Some for us, some specifically for you, some for Walter Heath, the character, as if you were a person.
1: <laughs> I, I I began okay. to regret okay,
2: putting up yeah. ask
1: Walter Heath as the hashtag because I was like, people are going to get confused. <laughs> they just
2: are. And, and this is it's fun because we've we've actually grown a lot since last year interview with kessie or peter um i don't remember which one was i, I know who's who i just don't remember <laughs> which interview came last
1: i think peter was the last one
3: and we've grown a lot as a show since then mm, which has been really exciting mm-hmm.
2: and that's been really really cool
3: oh yeah I, i'm i'm on the edge of my seat when it comes to the white vault still because i've been listening through it ah <laughs> oh, so good and
2: i'm actually really glad to hear that you do listen but, absolutely uh, uh, our first question though is is how like how did we how did we meet and i'll let you and Kit- pick how
3: did we how did we meet I, I'm, so you don't remember? I'm, you you'd sent us a message. Did I?
2: You did, and you, you backed my Kickstarter for Liberty because yes! you enjoyed the podcast, and I was like, David yes! Alt, this can't be the same David Alt from the No Sleep podcast, who we're huge fans of. <laughs> and then your response is just, "Oh yeah, of course it's me." Yeah. <laughs> it's like David Alt is following us, and then we started kicking it off from there, and, and we got to, uh, we started talking, to each other. and you like I mean, our you, stuff.
3: Y- you fanboyed. Oh
2: yeah, oh. absolutely.
3: oh Yeah. Caitlin even fanboyed. Yeah. Oh. Right We've
1: been listening to No Sleep for so long. Um No Sleep was really what I got Travis when like when when he had never listened to a podcast before. I was like, "You know what? We're going to listen to scary stories while we cook food. And then, and then it was, we're just going to listen to scary stories while we're eating food and then just sit in the dark and listen to scary <laughs> stories after our, after our plates are empty. Like,
2: breath. So,
1: yeah, we, uh, we had been hearing your voice for so long and then finding out that you actually knew of our other show
3: mm-hmm.
1: or our only show at that point was like, yeah, it was, it was quite flattering.
3: Oh, so yes. we
1: We knew who you were. And it was exciting when <laughs> Travis saw your name and was like, that can't be him.
3: I listen to a lot of podcasts. My uh, my podcast queue is full at the moment because I'm not doing as much commuting. Um, but yes, Liberty was definitely one of the ones that I started listening to. I was impressed with everything, the production values and the acting, etc. It was just, it was great. So another question, what was it like casting the role of Walter Heath from both perspectives? So casting it uh, that's that's not for me well like was what that,
2: was it like to audition because there's like two sides to the coin you
1: I don't think you auditioned. Did, I did i audition think we said, hey we have we have this person that we kind of wrote <laughs> yeah in in fact, for
3: I, I think i think that was actually the case in seattle um you asked me whether i would be interested in being in your next show because you'd written parts for me and peter and you were really pleased that both of us agreed without question <laughs> there was no
1: cast. it was this is for you yes
3: yes people yes. think we're a little more
2: organized than we are perhaps
1: well i think a lot of people think about the white vault as it is now um mm. as a much larger show but when we were writing the white vault all we had was liberty and liberty was a tiny show at the time so people think that we had far more influence and we were doing big casting calls the reality of the situation was we were like we love your voice can we use it <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have this hobby idea for our next hobby s- story thing where people get murdered in the arctic would you like to join us
3: in- yes uh, I, I like your <laughs> writing. I like your production. Please give me scripts. <laughs> and clarify, I need scripts. Please give me scripts. Please to, give me scripts.
2: We flew 3,000 miles uh, to see that show because we really yes. wanted to sleep. It was also Caitlin's birthday.
3: Aww. And It was
2: a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Anytime I got to escape Florida was a good thing.
2: So we have some more questions. This next one says, how are you such a badass? And what was your inspiration for writing and also acting as Walter Heath? Thank you.
3: I, I haven't done any writing for Walter Heath um how I-,
2: I was the writer yeah
3: <laughs> sometimes
2: people don't remember that actors and writers aren't the same thing
3: All the time. sometimes they are i think people I mean, forget
1: I- that we exist continue
3: i, I was just gonna say because i have written a couple of stories for no sleep creepy holiday stories i leave the writing to caitlin because she is amazing why am i such a badass or how am i such a badass let's there- permit me if you will to tell you a little story it was 2001 Right the way back then, I came over to America to do um, summer camp as part of the Camp America program, because I had seen in the uh, late 90s, all of those summer camp programs, Uh, they were shown on our TV on Channel 4, and seeing all of these American kids having such amazing times at summer camp, and I thought, well, I won't be able to do that, but I can probably get employed doing it so i thought i'll I'll join the camp america program uh use my summer in between uni to go over to america and i went to a summer camp in pennsylvania which was it was a lot of fun they had originally put me with the 16 to 18 year olds but uh soon realized i should probably be with the eight-year-olds instead and yeah that was the very first time anyone ever called me cool <laughs> so it was one night where the counsellor for the bunk i was on bunk two and this was bunk seven and yeah so the 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 other guy had or those counsellors were off into scranton i think it was for getting some uh much needed r&r and so i was looking after bunk seven the, the kids in there just weren't settling down. They were not going to quiet down, get to bed and sleep the night away. So I said, OK, do you want a story? And they said, no, 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 we don't like stories. Uh, I said, OK, well, how about a ghost story? Because uh, ghost stories are something that you are absolutely forbidden to tell at summer camp because they sometimes have adverse reactions. So I told this ghost story that I remember even had me shaking as I closed the cover and put it away. And out of the six of them, one of them had fallen asleep straight away, so hadn't heard any of it. The other five complained that they were feeling very sick and came with me (laughs) to the infirmary, where four of them stayed overnight. (laughs) The other one came back with me, sat outside on the, the veranda until the counselor the main councillor r- arrived back and uh, this guy was a geordie uh, so from newcastle and he came in and he said what the hell have you done <laughs> i said i i i just don't understand there was this there was this outbreak of something and they they just felt that they needed to go to the infirmary so you know that's what i did um <laughs> but it it was a few days after i was talking to one of the kids and he said he was having a difficult time with some of the others, and I said, well, don't worry, because, you know, bullying is something that happens. I got bullied when I was at school, and he said, he turned to me and looked up at me and said, but you couldn't have been bullied. You're cool. It's like, oh! <laughs> oh, oh, oh <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I've been called cool. For someone to actually call me badass... It's like what it, it sort of it brings those same stirrings of oh I don't <laughs> understand this but I'll take it. So yeah, how do I go like about what? playing Walter Heath? Well, Walter Heath, uh, I think as I said in uh, season two when I was looking through, he's a whiny bitch. In order to get into the character, I mean, I can I can definitely see where Walter Heath is coming from, but I think he has suffered from not having not having enough love and companionship in his life i think he's he has his his ex-wife who they obviously didn't get on well and so i think he's been quite alone and embittered by that so with that sort of thing in mind that's how i approach walter heath
2: and how long have you been acting uh just in general
3: um, 20 odd years i mean that my first <laughs> appearance on stage was for a church pantomime way back when so we
2: have another question here it's have you written things not necessarily just for audio but do you write things in general
3: hasn't everyone written some poetry i've written a few i've written stories for no sleep i've written stories for that have been turned down by no sleep haven't we all (laughs) obviously (laughs) yeah i think that's that's about it I, i dabble i think is probably the best way to describe everything is, is I dabble. If people want me to do something, then I'll see if I can do it.
2: And what does your audio setup look like for those of us who can't see you right now?
3: Okay. Well, I have here, uh, a Neumann microphone, which is lovely. And, uh, I am, I'm literally in my wardrobe, uh, or closet for my American listeners, because if I pull back the curtain here, <laughs> you'll be able to see clothes and things. So, uh, <laughs> Yes, there is a, a rug and some audio foam behind me, and this is this is my setup. So I record audiobooks, all of my scripts, and occasional bits of singing in here.
2: And do you listen to all the things you're in, or just select ones? Because you're in a lot of things.
3: I do listen to a lot of things, and for the most part, yes, I have listened to everything that I have been in, and that's not just as a self-congratulatory thing. Uh, yeah, I genuinely like listening to audio drama some of the training that you have to do as a voice actor is to learn to like the sound of your own voice when it's played back to you which is which is very tough it is yes and and plus it, it, it the ones that i people i know ha, who have uh, extremely good production values like white vault or no sleep or some of these the other ones uh, I know that it's going to be a really good story and so it's going to be, it's going to sound really good and, and I'm invested in the characters as well. So uh, when in Vast Horizon I was there as Captain Sarpon, I I, want, I, I was on his side but I knew what was coming. <laughs> But I just needed to hear
2: it. And then Caitlin, the question was also directed at you. Do you listen to the things that you write?
1: Yes, but a long way down the line.
2: <laughs> I, like I usually listen
1: to, I'll listen to bits and pieces when Travis needs me to mm-hmm. for to double check whether or not the pacing is right. But then I usually will not listen until I'm writing the next season. So if I'm writing like season three of something, I'll listen to season two.
3: As a, as a catch up. Reset, yeah.
1: yeah, it resets my brain and gets the characters back into my mind mm-hmm. so that I can put them back on page. It's usually... A a very very long delay, usually a year's worth
3: of <laughs> delay. <laughs> it's actually quite fun when you when you discover that you've done something, done some recording, and the pro- the production process has been so slow that you've completely forgotten what it is that you record, and it just suddenly <laughs> pops up, and it's like, oh, I'm in this. <laughs> I forgot.
2: <laughs> and we did have a question about that actually. Uh, again, for Caitlin, um, do you have a favorite moment that you've written, perhaps like maybe a scene or a line?
3: Ooh.
1: I really enjoyed writing the jumbled flashbacks that Noira has at the beginning of season two of Vast Horizon.
2: That was a very fun mm. series of messed up things.
1: Because mm-hmm. it was it was just a, a fun challenge to take past memory and present action and try to meld them together in like a weird psychosis. Mm. Um
2: and on the white vault side.
1: I, I really enjoy writing all of the the archeo- archaeological like mumbo jumbo stuff. <laughs> I love I love writing. I love doing the research for it. And then I love taking it all together and and putting it on the page and having, it's usually Simon at this point, (laughs) he's the, uh, he's the character that is really there for the work itself.
2: Next question. Does David have a degree in astronomy, astrology, or astrophysics? And how do we tell the three apart?
3: I have degrees in astrophysics and astronomy. I do not have a degree in astrology. How do you tell the three apart? Astronomy is pointing up at the night sky and saying, that's Betelgeuse. Astrophysics is saying, um, well, Betelgeuse has this composition and we can uh, work out how long it's been active and when possibly it's uh, going to die as a star and astrology is then saying well because then cancer is rising <laughs> and uh taurus is contains mars then an anvil is going to drop on your head
2: and do you have a favorite star or system we have a lot of favorite questions about six of them
3: okay uh favorite constellations well um orion is 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 a is a nice easy one for everyone to find but i do like cygnus the swan who swims down the milky way It's very easy to find with a cross shape in the sky.
2: Fantastic choice. And have you seen any movies or podcasts recently that you would recommend?
3: If I can recommend some of my own stuff, Shadows at the Door is very good. If you like uh, Jamesian style, quiet horror, that's come to the end of season two now. So it's uh, well worth a binge. Uh, The Leviathan Chronicles, which has been going since 2008, is back. And that is an absolute epic of um of a podcast so if you haven't checked out the leviathan chronicles do so uh in terms of stuff that i'm not in one thing that it's this is from the bbc so it might not be available in north america but the sink Ooh. has been a really interesting bit of sketch slash asmr slash psychological comedy horror ish stuff which i know sounds like <laughs> sounds awful but it's it really works it has been such an interesting listen. um that's only had six episodes unfortunately but uh so there's that the oyster is a new one that's come out recently i was just
2: gonna say the oyster is phenomenal yeah you did a great job in it as well thank
3: you well I, I got my small scene of being married to carla gugino so you know who <laughs> who can complain really <laughs> Yes, there's, there's there's a lot out there, and I, I unfortunately don't have my iPod on me to be able to scroll through and say, yep, yeah, check out this one, check out that one, check out that one. We also had a couple
2: of England questions that I'll just, oh, okay. I'll just jump yep. into. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: One's, what's England like? Are there really castles
2: and ghosts? Uh, <laughs> is, is tea as popular as they make it out to be movies? What's the weather like? Is it really dreary or is it sunny? We, we see different <laughs> things from like uh, Poldark, where it's always sunny, and, and Paddington, where it's always mm-hmm. sort of rainy.
3: In order, England, yes, does have a lot of castles. I'm going to say the United Kingdom. While it is still a United Kingdom, uh, there are a lot of castles. There are ghosts. Yes, there's a lot of history over here, um, which is both to the betterment and the detriment, depending on which way you look at it. Is the tea really better? Yes, tea is better over here. It's the way the kettles actually... We we have kettles uh, which boil water to 100 degrees, 212 Fahrenheit for my American listeners. And yes, tea is everywhere. Tea is absolutely... we, We have got a little bit more into coffee over the last 20, 30 years. It's one of those things that as soon as you cross the threshold of a British person's door, they will offer you a cup of tea. Is the weather as dreary? Certainly isn't the moment because (laughs) it's December, but it's certainly not as cold and not as snowy as the north of North America and into Canada. We do have some nice sunny spells from time to time, but it's certainly not as wet, certainly on this side of the Pennines. On the west coast, if you go to Manchester, then yes, it's a little bit more rainy because it's Atlantic weather coming in. But this side, no, no. I had to water my garden a lot this summer.
2: And we have another question for David. Um, how is playing a comic relief character, Walter Heath, different from playing a more serious character like the, quote, I've had worse? Uh,
3: <laughs> comic relief is, I love comic relief, personally, uh, just because it's, it's a way of just tapping off some pressure. It's one of my favorite things to play, along with Mad slash going into psychosis slash you know all the stuff that no sleep sends me but yeah is as a character was so much fun to play and um i actually got uh sent a note by athor uh he dm'd me yesterday saying someone said that someone said holy shit is this really david alt's first D <laughs> and that's on our other show dark dice yep <laughs> as well. Um, so- uh,
2: and we have another question on that topic as well mm. uh the team fool and scholar productions and the dark dice crew raised over ten thousand dollars this year by having david alt as IS, mm-hmm. go on a series of fictional speed dates with the characters mm-hmm. on our show and first thank you thank you for giving us something wholesome and what was that experience like
3: oh amazing brilliant it was uh, i was Honored and so pleased to be a part of it. Uh, but I think the listeners should understand that as a project, I knew nothing about it until what a few days before we started recording. Because Travis, you you, well, you did. I agreed to go on ten speed dates. I I, I agreed to a project ages before because you had an idea and then i heard nothing and then it was like right okay uh when can you do a whole load of speed dates for us and i said what <laughs> I, 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 that's on me uh well we've got all of these people lined up so starting at this time on this date uh you're going to you're going to go on speed dates as your character from the D&D campaign that we ran 18 months ago. So, okay, cool. <laughs> Let's go for it.
2: <laughs> and, and and again, thank you for, for going through that. We were really able to do a lot of real good in the real world. because of Oh, you, you.
3: you did fantastically with it. And thank you to all the listeners, to everyone who contributed, to everyone yes. who shared it. Yeah, you were the ones that made it. I was, as I say, honored to be a part of it. And yeah, I basically thrown in at the deep end by the people that I'm staring at uh, on the screen. But that's, that's <laughs> great. That's how I like it. it, it if I'd had a whole lot of prep time, I don't think I'd have been able to do anything better than what I did.
2: And people really loved the awkwardness of it as well. It was very genuine. Mm. Like when you meet people for the first time in real life, it's always really <laughs> yeah, awkward. Yeah, that
3: just comes <laughs> with <laughs> how it goes. But uh, yeah, that, the, 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 one of the things that I loved about doing that was that ias was able to ask questions that i had wondered about but didn't have the means to ask myself he was able to be a voice for me as well i was really humbled by the way the the 10 people that i spoke to were so were so open and helped me through IAS to understand what what they were going through and what life in the beyond of the t q i a, et etc was like. so i was yeah, it it was it was an honor.
2: We also had a lot of people send us notes who would say things like, I'm, I'm one of the other letters beyond B, and this was really cool to hear what life is like from other perspectives. Mm. And also that it was uh, really normalized in a bigger show. Mm-hmm. And segueing into other fun things, because mm. this is quite a fun topic. It was. It was very fun. We had some other White Vault content, bonus content that you were a part of. Oh, dear. We have the musical. <laughs> we have the White Alt. <laughs> yes. And uh, even O'Leary's Day Off has you uh, as Walter Heath in it.
3: It does. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't find Walter Heath in O'Leary's Day Off off very well he was so (laughs) it's like he was hiding behind the the scenery
2: and they they wanted to know uh which one was the most fun to make uh or more fun (laughs) behind the scenes stories
3: every time the musical comes up it becomes an earworm for me and it is so difficult to get out of my head uh that was a joy but I, i think i sent the raw audio of the white Alt to you and the number of times that you hear me just dissolving into laughter <laughs> and it was amazing uh, <laughs> it's brilliant that was so much fun um <laughs> it was it really was me, everyone. <gasps> oh. so
2: to clarify david alt uh, voiced every character in season one and two of the white vault uh as himself basically pitched up or down or, With a, a, and, and some really beautiful accents <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the cast loved it
3: oh good I, I was I was so worried how oh, they might react when they heard me trying to do their voice.
2: Jonas Thorsen, that one, mm. that was a really great uh, impersonation <laughs> for you.
3: My Peter Lewis got better as it went on. No, that that the white alt was was a lot of fun to do. I was I was so pleased, and and that was one. Was it that Caitlin you didn't know about until you heard it, or they were no,
2: both like
1: that? I have I honestly have a really hard time. Listening to the comedic offshoots <laughs> that Travis uh, comes upon in his brain, because when I'm trying really hard to write these characters, it really just it's like staggers my, my brain to think like, oh, now they're doing this comedic thing when I just put them through like a really <laughs> torturous situation. So I I have a tendency to, like, not interact with the comedic offshoots until they're produced and then I listen to Mm. them with Travis. And
2: And to clarify, those are all things that are available on our Patreon at the $2 and up uh, level, everything that we've mentioned so far. Mm -hmm. Because those are like our holiday
1: specials. Yes. But the, the White Vault musical does get stuck in your head. Very much, oh,
3: yeah. like, very much. I'm, I'm It's just in there. <laughs> I'm trying my best to, to keep it to keep it at bay at the moment.
2: And what are some other favorite roles you've played on other shows? Ooh. There's even a comment that says, like, we really loved you as, uh, we, we don't think we're getting Heath's Horizon, but we really enjoyed your work in Vast Horizon as Captain Sarpon.
3: So some of the other things that uh, I've really enjoyed being a part of well, the Byron Chronicles is obviously the original thing that I got involved in. And if you haven't checked that out, then then do. It's really good. Uh, one of the uh, longer forms, I was in a production of War of the Worlds, where I played the main character, Richard Pearson, and that was done by Colonial Radio Theatre. That's a really good one. I think that's available as CD and download. A Scottish podcast is a wonderful, wonderful Uh, Full of swearing, very Scottish podcast, but I play Councillor Byers on there and he has some wonderfully snarky lines. A slight bit of comic relief in there as well. And oh, yes. So a couple of other ones would be Darkest Night. I was in season three of Darkest Night and I got to play the voice of the PA system that was very, very sinister. For the elephant. Yes, for the elephant. (laughs) (laughs) uh and i got to play a a journalist in small town horror as well that's uh john grill's podcast that that was a a lot of fun as well so those those are some of them
2: we have two questions left for the real david alt are you as sassy as walter heath in real life because some of that didn't sound like acting smiley face (laughs) emotionally. how different are the persons david alt and walter heath
3: i think as i said before walter heath came from the idea that uh yeah he hasn't been as loved as he could have been and this has hardened him into being the sassy sarcastic whiny little bitch that he is <laughs> so <laughs> how are we different uh, i i like to think that i'm a little bit more open warm friendly and genuine than uh, than walter is uh, but uh, walter is certainly very driven but he's a coward as well I don't know what I would do in the situation, but I think if I were part of that team, I would have gone down into the, into the caves and been looking around and enjoying all of that, (laughs) enjoying, (laughs) Uh, but uh, I think I would have been down there. I, I wouldn't have been sitting back and trying to raise people on the radio when it was quite obvious that no one was coming.
2: So what were Walter's qualifications for the job and what was his job before he went off to Svalbard? To Caitlin.
1: He's a technician and a communication specialist, but he never really rose through the ranks, as I would say. So when he gets divorced and everything, he takes the opportunity to take on a higher paying gig and heads out to the north. Yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, now rapid fireman asked questions to Walter Heath, air quotes. Walter, what questions do you wish you'd asked in the job interview before you went off to Svalbard?
3: Who else is on the mission? Because I don't think he's that much of a people person. So he would want to know who else is going to be there. So he'd be prepared, either gritting his teeth or ready to inveigle himself into some other better paying gig after this.
2: Okay, now kiss, kill, take out to tea, who is his favorite <laughs> and least favorite member of the Alhos Freestead team.
3: I don't think he was a fan of Graham Kasner. And I think he does, he probably has a soft spot for Jonas, but only as a in a sort of professional kind of manner.
2: We have another one. I think
1: one. his answer to everything is just let's go to tea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and speaking of, what is his uh, favorite tea, think?
3: Uh, what is his favorite type of tea? I think he'll just have Twinings every day.
1: I said TG tips. Because uh, <laughs> they're easy. Because they're easy. You just put a box on the counter and he's he doesn't have the drive every day to. To make it indifferent, so he just takes it out of the box
3: and puts it in. Well, yeah, that's that's what you do with all tea bags. You just take it out and put it no, in the I mug. Know, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> you see you say that. I, I make tea a very different way in my house because <laughs> I have all loose leaf teas. I have them in drawers. Oh yeah, so, so I, I, for me, I, yeah. I don't
3: do loose leaf tea. Well, I, I can, but I don't bother. It's just yeah, box of tea bags. So that's why I think Twinings every day cuz I think he likes to think of himself as not just the sort of bog standard Tetley or PG Tips kind of I think he he likes to think of himself as one up from there so that's why he has the <laughs> the Twinings every day tea bags I don't think he's got enough now to go for the strong ones or anything like that I I think he's, he just he, he wants to to be as normal As possible when it comes to tea, but still like to think of himself as something slightly better than the hoi polloi.
2: Walter Heath's favorite thumbless animal.
3: His favorite thumbless animal. I don't (laughs) think he likes animals in general. Dog person or cat person? Cat person. Cat person. He's a cat person. And does he like his cat?
1: I think that he loves him.
2: Is Walter canonically gay or bi?
1: Walter is a straight man who married very poorly for himself, mm-hmm. is now kind of off of love entirely because it fails.
3: Yep, I concur. <laughs> I concur, yes.
2: If he spoke a second language, what would it be?
3: French, probably, because it was what he learned at school.
1: Probably French, yeah.
2: Do you think he was angry that Kasner never called him by his first name, unlike everybody else on the show?
3: <laughs> I think his dislike of Kasner went went further than just uh, what he was called.
2: Now we know that uh, David, the actor, would have been down in the caves, um, being more active and complaining a lot less. But Caitlin, if you were in Walter's shoes as the writer with the horror stuff, what would you have done differently?
1: I mean, I, I, my God, you could not stop me from going down those. Yeah, things. exactly.
3: <laughs> you could, exactly.
1: I would, I would have t- taken. Like a sketch pad. Mm-hmm. If I had no camera. I would have just been drawing everything. Mm-hmm. I see so measurements. Like,
2: <laughs> we would just see measurements with the words like "when you see all, of, all across scribbled." Actually, that would be the line mm-hmm. to draw everything. Mm-hmm.
3: Maybe
2: now, if Walter had made it to season three, uh, would he have jived well with anyone on the team?
3: I think he would have got on with Dr. Liu um, because she is she's quite driven, but without some of the ego that Kasner had. So I think. He he might well have got on with her in a platonic kind of way. And having written four seasons of The White Vault, what would you have done differently, Caitlin?
1: I definitely, now that I'm a, a better writer than I was years ago, I I could have written, I just could have written better. <laughs> I'm better now than I was. I just, I know that every everyone, you just, you get better. I I don't know how to mm. explain it other than the way that I built characters, I definitely could have made fixes to nowadays. And from just the writing standpoint, <laughs> just having multiple years more of writing Mm. uh Mm. experience at this point i could have definitely just been better
2: someone asked like what my favorite sound effect moment was that i've created and that's a really tough question for me the moment that stands out was like season one of critical research where you have like the dark kin these uh, people telling a story in a large chamber Mm. and like before that that was like the first time i realized oh i don't have to record every single sound effect myself (laughs) And that, that was like yes. a huge game changer where you could go to freesound.org mm-hmm. and like pick up sound effects and mm-hmm. libraries and everything changed that day. But unfortunately, the season was pretty much done by then. Now, Dave, what was your favorite moment working on The White Vault? Love your work, by the way, says uh, the person
3: asking the question. Thank you very much, person asking the question. My favorite moment on The White Vault, is, I is it's again coming back to the, the spinoffs, the musical and the white alt, but otherwise the continuing radio announcement uh the the radio that the, i got caitlin to write out for me for the new york city show this is outpost freestead i'm reaching out for seizure group and possible rescue services a storm has stranded us for over a week anyone please respond seeing seeing getting the script opening it up and seeing that multiple times and this continues underneath. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. And, and just being able to get more and more pissed off as I go through each single one. This is Walter Heath. At-
2: <laughs> and, and was it Walter Heath canonically, or was it you voicing a different character as the train announcer in uh, episode 10 of Artifact,
3: which you're in? I was. Uh, no, that's probably not Walter Heath. I'd sound like a lot of people.
2: And Caitlin, how involved is Izo in the creative storytelling process of what we do, sound design, writing, etc.? cetera? <laughs> uh, Izo is
1: crucial. Yes.
3: Cru- yes. Cru- yes. Vital. Vital, yes. one might say.
2: He also helps me record sound effects that are quite scary. <laughs> and then, are there any new mini-series in the works? And if so, can you tell us anything about them?
1: Yes. No.
3: and actually there there, there is a shadows at the door miniseries coming next year but i can't tell you anything about it
2: so all the people in this chat have lived in england at some point and this question specifically geared at caitlin is what was the process of creating artifact which specifically takes place in oxfordshire england
1: when we actually started podcasting i think we've said this in like every interview we've done at this point (laughs) but when we actually started podcasting travis and i lived in england wrote like our first season while sitting in a pub and uh, Travis recorded a little bit of it from like our little flat that we had um, next to the train station or train tracks. It was a while to get to the train <laughs> station. We were right next to where they parked all the trains. Oh. <laughs> so when we tried to record things, we'd be like, "Is there a train on the way?" <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I lived in England as a child, and then we moved back to the U.S. And I always wanted to go back. And then my parents went back. When I was in undergraduate, and then I was like, "Oh, cool! They're they're back over there, so I can go over there for graduate school." So I did, and then I went to graduate school, and uh, that's when we started creating podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh,
2: I recorded a lot of the Oxford sound effects while we were living there.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. we Travis would just like bring that little recorder with him wherever we went because we awesome. went on lots yep. of little walks around the city and just really squeaky gates and fields filled with cows. Yes. and just. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it's just a lovely, we had such a lovely time.
2: And you're able to make such a lovely time sound so scary.
3: What is that? Hey! Turn the lights back on! Turn it on! Do you hear me?
2: (laughs) So the next question uh, on our other miniseries, Luca, there are rumors that it was inspired by actual events, question mark?
1: Eluga was inspired by a true story. Um, Part of it was a dear friend of mine that I've known since I was very, very young worked. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about their work, but they worked on a boat uh, in the Indian Ocean. And they had this phenomenal experience uh, with some birds that decided to land and sometimes crash onto their boat. Uh, and vomit a lot. And, <laughs> all at once. Uh, so I don't, I don't I think some of them died. I, I, I just had this, this huge conversation with them. And they
2: were barefoot. Yeah. And they had to run across the deck to tell all these different people what was happening through the <sighs> vomiting and the pooping. And, uh, and uh, sorry, the birds they were, were telling barefoot. me the story. No, no, the person. <laughs> <laughs> i
1: mean i think yes (laughs) so um and they told me this story and i was like i'm i'm writing this other story right now this would fit so well into part of the narrative that i need do you mind if i use this and they were totally on board yeah so part of it wasn't it was inspired by true events
2: and then every time we have a guest uh, we always ask for a bit of history or, or a scary story that they may be aware of from the place they're from
3: It's quite lucky that I do the Ghost Wars because I have been exposed to quite a few of the local ghosts and the local legends. One thing that Ripon is famous for is it's got three museums, those being the Workhouse, the Courthouse and the Prison and Police Museum. So it gives you a nice little slice of, of life where you'd get taken into prison or locked up for the night, taken to court... And then if you ended up being a felon, then you would probably end up in the workhouse, which is where a lot of people died. So if you go into the workhouse, you can definitely feel that there is a, an atmosphere to it. As you go down, there's one main corridor in the main bit of the museum, which was the tramp cells, uh, which are all... About the size of a parking... No, not the size of an American car parking space, but just a little bit smaller. They were locked in from the outside and then let out to do their work, and then they'd go back in with some food and uh, more. Can I ask
2: one clarifying question? Yes, yes, sir. So in the beginning, you've used the word tramp to describe... Homeless. Oh, I was picturing small dogs.
3: No, 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 not Lady (laughs) and the Tramp. Anyway, so um, there is that. Then there is the main block, which is where the main inmates used to live they were separated of course into their classes so there were seven classes you started off with men who could work men who were elderly then teenage boys then women who could work because of course women come lower down than men Uh, women who are elderly women who are teenagers and then children at the bottom because children are for the most part useless so they got an education then they got Sent out to be trade or into the trades, like being a, a servant or or whatnot. And there is a story about one particular matron of the workhouse who uh, had her own particular way of punishing the children that did not conform. Uh, there was on the top floor there was a room and at the end of the room there was a cupboard and uh, that cupboard could be locked from the outside so if she had need she would take a child upstairs up into that attic room right the way to the end of that attic room there was no no one underneath it and put the child in the cupboard lock it and leave and leave the child there for a couple of hours it is said that one day the matron had just put a child up in that cupboard and then as she came down the stairs she was told that her sister had been taken ill in Leeds which is well it's 45 minutes away now it's a good couple of hours back then and uh, so she went to minister to her sister and of course she hadn't told anyone that there was a small child up in the cupboard at the end of the attic room and of course. It was just treated as, oh, little Johnny is not is not around. He must have run away or something. And it was only when she was on the way back when she realised that this child had been left in that room for days. And when she got back there, got up, of course, it was too late for the child, malnourished as it already was. But it is said that it's not the child that can be heard wringing their hands and crying around what is now uh, a car park it is actually the matron herself who lost a child in childbirth possibly as a result of what she did who knows one more story nice, nice quick story if if you will uh so there was a barber a particular barber who he had very particular tastes. Now, underneath the cathedral used to be what was called the Bone House. It is now the Chapel of the Resurrection. It was the Bone House, it was where bodies were stored when, in previous times, like 200 years before, when you had the plague, etc. Uh, There wasn't enough hallowed ground to be able to bury them in, so they got put underneath the cathedral and just got left to rot in there. And then by the time the Victorians came round, hey presto, we've got some sort of, it's a visitor attraction, a tourist attraction. You can pay a couple of pennies and go down and and look at the mouldering skeletons that are down there. Uh, there was a lot of skeletons down there an awful lot uh, and this particular barber had this idea that instead of having a metal bowl for creating the foam to shave for for shaving his his clients he wanted a bowl made of bone and so he went down paid the sexton a bribe went down there selected a particularly choice skull chopped the top off and just took it up and and there you go there's the slightly yellowish bone bowl, and you can imagine the looks on the faces of his clients when there he was mixing the the foam in this strange receptacle. But it was a couple of nights later, apparently, when the barber was at home, tucked up in bed, when an apparition appeared at the door and pointed and in a booming voice said, ''How dare you defile my skull in this way?'' How could you take my skull sir whatever his name was? I am I am a knight of the realm. How could you take my skull and debase it so? And and there you know, the barber is just there sort of going, oh, sorry, I'm really, really sorry, it's it's, it's through there And uh, the knight said If I ever see a skull in here again that isn't attached to someone, then I'm going to come back and I am going to you know do horrible things to you in the way that ghosts kind of threaten <laughs> uh, And the next morning when... Uh, I don't think he had a lot of sleep that night, but the barber had, had been able to get out of bed and go through into his barber shop. He saw that the skull, the bone bowl, was no longer there. It had disappeared. Uh, and when he went back down into the bone house, paid the sexton a couple of pennies again, there in the bone house was the skull fully reattached and inside the two sets of grinning teeth were the shaving brush and a bar of soap <laughs> <laughs> that's a delightful story i know yeah
1: and those are both local to your town apparently city city? city city very, very important <laughs> distinction for a city yeah. with 11,000 people yep.
2: you can't see the silent stare and point that david did but it's <laughs> <is just> very <laughs> intense <laughs> <laughs> no, but those are really fantastic and but a hint of what you could hear if you go on the ghost tour of Ripon.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, we haven't been able to do any of the ghost walks this year because 2020, um, but we're hoping to get back to it next year.
2: Well, that'll be really fantastic. And we really, again, appreciate your time with us. We've had quite a few fun stories with you and many a question answered.
3: Absolutely. It's, it, it, is, it is a pleasure and um, quite simply uh, an honor to be involved with you. No, you you say that you fanboy over me, but I fanboy over you guys because it it really is uh, such a consistently good stream of audio and writing and production. uh, And it is a, yeah, cast me more. I want more, (laughs) more scripts, more, please. Absolutely. And thank you one more time. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yes.
2: And you. And everyone, we just wanted to wish you happy holidays one more time from us here at Fool and Scholar Productions, all of us here, and we'll be back with the next episode of season four in two weeks.
1: We'll be you in the light.
0: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine